So, you know, people don't really change. Uh, people kind of like to stick with what they know. A lot of digital signage products, stuff from physics included, have um, content creation tools. But the fact of the matter is, let's just be honest, a lot of people create digital signage messages using PowerPoint and then simply import them. There's certainly nothing wrong with that. However, digital signage is a little bit different. And so you do have to kind of adapt it, tweak it. So we're going to talk a little bit today about some best practices for using PowerPoint to create your digital signage messages before you stick them up on your screens. I'm here with Melissa Sarton, creative content artist for Physics. Hi, Melissa. Hello. And I'm here with Dwayne Johnson, senior interactive artist for Physics. Hi, Dwayne. Hey, how's it going? Great. I am, of course, as always, Derek DeWitt, your host, and I'd like to thank Melissa and Dwayne for coming on, and I'd like to thank all of you for listening. This is digital signage done right. Whether you're new to digital signage or a seasoned pro, this podcast gives you practical advice about systems, communications, and content to better engage your audience. I'm Derek DeWitt, Communications Specialist for Physics. Welcome to Digital Signage Done Right. Okay, so PowerPoint. People are using it. We know this. A lot of issues can come up when people are using PowerPoint. One of the first things that comes to my mind is aspect ratios, right? Very often people create it. The resolution is different for the screen. It looks all squished and mashed. And so tell me about this. What, are the, what should they be looking out for? That's right, uh, Derek. One of the key points when you're designing for PowerPoint is making sure that aspect ratio meets the destination. So if it's a four by three or 16 by nine, you wanna make sure your, your slides for PowerPoint are set up the same way. Okay. And that's really, like you're saying, that's gonna come down to what type of display is going on. It's, I don't know if a room sign would make sense, but a room signs are typically a four by three aspect ratio, whereas your what you would think of as a typical quote unquote TV screen would be more 16 by nine. Right. So. And then it's, it's also, is it landscape? Is it vertical? Right. Exactly. Things like this, exactly. right? And what do, what do these numbers mean? Well, there's two different types of, I guess, ratios. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a standard pixel dimension, which is your 1024 by 768, 1920 right. by 1080. And then there's the aspect ratio, which is a little more vague. And it's more so to do with the height as compared to the width. So units, units of width versus units of height. And it's not necessarily, oh, it's three pixels, it's three units. Does that make sense? Unit, and unit is, they're proportionate for each particular Exactly, screen, exactly. Right? So like a four by three, if we chopped this into four equal parts, that's your four, and then this one is three of those. Exactly. Ah, okay, right. So yeah, I mean, that's the main thing because here's the problem. So let's say I don't make them match and I end up with one of these squashed or stretched images so what? Who cares? It's only up for seven seconds. Makes your content look extremely um, uneasy. Just not what you want on your display. Just looks, you can tell something's wonky about it. Mm-hmm. But usually uh, it'll stretch your graphics because they've been pre-designed at a size and you don't want the aspect ratios to mismatch. And seven seconds may not sound like a long time, but it actually is. It doesn't take very long for the eye to percept that something is off. And then those seven seconds feel like seven minutes that it's up <laughs> yeah, there right. wrong. It takes away from your credibility and your professional image. Uh, let's talk about colors. Uh, something I see 
myself sometimes, you'll see these color combinations that are, I, maybe they look good on a computer screen, but they sure don't look good on the digital signs. You know, like, wow, a lime green, green background with fuchsia text. Sometimes that may occur, uh, the colors are out of gamut, depending on which software you're using, designing with, you want to check those colors to make sure they're within gamut. And just a good rule of thumb is to look at the brand colors of your company, you know, try to start with something you're familiar with and, you know, even test them on screen before deployment if you can. That's usually what we do here. Right. And that is really important whenever possible. Test it. And if you have the display up that it's going to be on when it's fully deployed, definitely test it there because from monitor to monitor, screen to screen, it one color can look different on all of those. So if you have color calibration software, be sure to take advantage of those tools to uh, make sure the brand is consistent mm. if that's very important to uh, your marketing message. I'd be surprised if someone's only using digital signage and that's their only form of marketing or or communications. Uh, How hard is it to get everything to match up? Hopefully, if you have a marketing department and you have some brand standards, they've done that work for you. You have different modes of looking at color. You have your RGB spectrum, you have your CMYK, you Mm. have your hex values, and those all are different ways to quote unquote create or mix the color you're looking for. The CMYK is the proportion of cyan, magenta, yellow, and black to get this color. RGB is red, green, and blue. And then hex is a six digit code that that represents the mix of red, green, and blue to give you web-safe versions. Of right, that it's, it's, that's what's embedded in HTML code. And, and exactly, all stuff, right? exactly. Mm-hmm. And that really, especially working with digital signage, that is going to be the most preferable way is to pick that hex code because that's going to give you the same color every time. And it's pretty precise. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very precise. Uh, how many colors should I use? I mean, can I use... You can use as many as you like. Uh, It's really a question of what are you trying to say? What are you trying to get across? Color can get a little touchy, a little tricky, just because it has a lot of impact. Color has a lot of emotional impact. For example, red. Red is a very energetic color, but it can also be red as an aggressive color. Right. Or danger. Or danger. Any Mm. kind of bright, saturated color. It's while it grabs your attention you got to be really cognizant of how it's grabbing your attention. If you've got an alert mode, for mm-hmm. example, and red is the... If 80% of your normal background colors are a particular shade of red, and it's also the same shade as sure. shade as your alerts, right. uh, you know, you might cause a, a delay there <laughs> right. when the, the alert goes up and then suddenly people are like, oh, I just thought it was advertising the uh, pool party again. I, exactly. I didn't realize we were on fire. So it's good to probably stick with a a set palette if you can, Mm -hmm. you know, establish that with your marketing or your design team. You know, when you're getting ready to display your signage, make sure you have good contrast. You know, a lot of people say it needs to pop. Basically, all they're saying is, you know, make sure the messages have enough contrast. So when the viewers viewing the messages on a predominantly black background, you want lighter colors and uh, vice versa for lighter backgrounds. You want darker colors to really uh, carry a message. Probably at least 50%, if not more, of the time that honest members are going to see a digital sign. They're probably in motion towards it. They need to see it, recognize enough that they say, oh, I might be interested in that. They're con- continuing to walk while they're thinking. Sure. And then when they get closer, maybe they stop or they take in the message. Whereas if it's, if it's just a blur, right. a muddy mesh they're probably not even going to notice it because they're not walking down the hallway thinking, I'm now going to look at the digital signage. Just think about something else. Right. Right. It's got to catch them from the periphery. You want to sort of 
let's use the word, intrude upon their thought process mm-hmm. enough to, to make them notice. I know in a blog we wrote a long time ago, we came across some quote somewhere about backgrounds. And it was an interesting concept that the background is much more important than you would think. In fact, they've done studies, I think, in which they have found that the background is what the eye notices first Mm-hmm. before it notices anything, text, images, and so on, superimposed over that, which seems counterintuitive. Is that right? That does seem right. And it really, when you think about it, is not counterintuitive because when you first look at something, you're not looking, you don't know what you're looking for when you first look at it. You are just looking at it as a whole. And the, mm. back, the background is the whole. It's what ties everything together. Mm. So the background, whether it's you know, got the whole block of color to tie it together, or it's just the shape of how everything sits on the background. The background is what ties all the pieces into one cohesive mm-hmm. sign. Call, call that the uh, subtle glory in the background. So yeah, they're, they're definitely uh, key players in making your content stand out. You don't want to have a background that's too busy. It's just like I said, the subtle glory in the background that really supports the starring cast, which is carrying your message. Right, right. Also, the, the background changes usually far less frequently than the content on it so it has to work with a variety of other pieces on it is that a good best practice to say have three or four messages in a row with one background and then shift because i know sometimes people have like everything will change the image changes the background changes now seven seconds later that changes i mean if you stood there it would seem chaotic right and that can really distract the eye The, the whole goal is to control where your viewer's eye goes and that's done through your design so if it's changing all the time there's nowhere for the eye to land or the eye to rest right and then the brain just gets tired because you know i keep thinking of it as the the background almost creates the the context Mm-hmm. For within, as animals, we rose up so we could see above the tall grass, giving us an advantage over those predators. That's our background. Is sure. this should be a nice, calm field of grass? Oh, something just moved. Let's right. stop. Is it going to eat me? And then we, I think we still have these, even in something like a, an office environment, we still have these instincts inside sure. of us. How about images? Let's talk about images. Uh, I know everybody always wants high quality images, HD and so on. You want them to pop. Should they always be big and bright and bold? What about making them sometimes fainter and things like this? Like, How would you recommend using images in these PowerPoint slides? Hmm. Yeah, it's a tough one. Right? It is a tough <laughs> one because there's a case, there's an argument for both. Mm, it's, okay. it's really just a matter of how you are intending to use it. Are you wanting to use imagery just to give a little bit of visual flair and a little bit of interest to an otherwise very, to use the, the word, blank message? Mm-hmm. or are Register you, today. Exactly. Just a little movement, a little visual something. Or is the, the photo really trying to drive home, again, the pool party? You know, big splash, pool party. Oh, pool. I like the pool. I like water. You know, I'm going to look at this because there's a big, bright picture of a pool. So there's really arguments for both uses. Okay. If you're taking your own pictures, they're yours. What about using outside imagery? If you want to use outside imagery, I'll know all the licensing agreements before actually using any image without permission. Mm -hmm. Definitely make sure you have the right permissions. If not, there are various resources out there you can use like Shutterstock Mm -hmm. or uh, Getty Images, you know, that you can use just... Again, always check the licensing agreements. Because I think a lot of people, you know, I live in the Czech Republic and Czechs have a, sorry any Czechs who are listening, but they have a a very um, 
interesting attitude towards copyright, which is that uh, that's good for other people, but not for me. Mm-hmm. Like it's commonplace. You'll see people using for actual marketing materials. They'll just steal an image off Google. And there was one guy I talked to recently who said, "But I found it on the internet." <laughs> and I said, "Yeah, but it's still not your your image, you know." You and yet, can't you make the argument that like, maybe maybe you can make the argument if I'm doing it in the lobby or I'm, I'm doing this for public sure. facing signage? But if it's just inside in the back office, what's the problem? Is there a problem? If you just steal a pack of gum from the gas station, what's the problem? <laughs> <laughs> it's, I mean, they sell gas. Exactly. Not gum. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's true. I mean, again, and should they find out, they'll probably come after. You may not get caught if it's just in your lobby. It may just be in your lobby and you may be fine, but it's up to you if you want to take that chance. Mm-hmm. I will say one thing. I only have one issue with stock photography and stock images, which is there are a few out there, which are great ones, but I see them everywhere. Yes. Like there's this one, it's this like as if there's glass, there's, you just see a, it's a woman and her fingers touching Very nothing. popular. And I have seen this in the last year. I have seen this 16 times, including on physics material. Because oh, yeah. it's a great image, and it's very flexible, and you can add in other elements and stuff. But it's, I, I get to the point now where I'm like, oh, there's that image again. Oh, boy. If I you mean, have the ability to, if you, you have the luxury of having a uh, photographer on site or, you know, pull out a camera and make it more personal mm. yourself, I definitely encourage that. That definitely adds more interest sometimes visually to your messages. People have something they can relate to directly. So, yeah, I say go for it. Yeah, and it, it does add a little bit of authenticity to your messages. And say it's in your own office space and you someone walks by and, oh, that's me in that message. You know, it's just... Right. Or I on. took this. Or I took this. I took that picture. Ha-ha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Copyright me. Exactly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, earlier you said something. We talked about uh, making sure the things are not too cluttered or not too busy. I mean, you know, there's the, the famous uh, acronym K-I-S-S. Mm-hmm. Keep it simple, stupid, or in polite company... Keep it short and simple. How does that apply here? How how will I know that I'm doing too much? Because, you know, not for digital signage, but for presentations, the bugabear of presentations that use PowerPoint and similar presentation software is people just put far too much stuff up there. Yeah, she's, you can't see it, but she's doing gun to the head right. Uh, gesture, uh, right? It's, it's a nightmare. How do I know? How can I restrain myself? How do I know when I'm doing too much? That's a good rule of thumb is to test it out. If you can't read it within a given amount of time, be sure to just check the length of the message. You don't want messages too short Mm. or too long, but I find sometimes the strongest message are the most simplistic. And have someone else read it. Have a few people read it within that same time zone and have them tell you, "I I couldn't read all of that in the seven seconds or, okay, yeah, I read it and I was staring at it for the rest of the seven seconds. It's really good to get outside input because when you design it, you become really familiar with the content on it Uh, and you already inherently know what it says before you test it. Yeah, this is why it's always a mistake as a writer, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. proofreading your own stuff. It's like, Mm -hmm. yeah, I don't need proofread it too much. I know how to spell the. Yep, yep. (laughs) Yeah, you get that forest for the trees uh, syndrome. 
And keep in mind, it, since we're talking specifically about PowerPoint, if you're familiar with PowerPoint, you know that the good rule of thumb is to keep a simple vein of presentations, but it's even more so important in digital signage because you're not going to have a presenter mm. backing up that information like you would with a typical PowerPoint. Typically, they get up and they talk to their audience, and the points are there just to support them, but you don't have that in digital signage. You only have the slide. So the slide is the presenter. The slide is the presenter but. and the presenter. Presentation. If you must present, we'll say a longer message, divide the content up into other slides. Oh, yeah. So it's not so much content that you're trying to absorb in that short span of time. Right, like a campaign sort sure. of concept, yep. like like uh, the old Burma shave ads. Don't forget, slide two, tomorrow's the day, slide three, to finish registering, slide yep. four, or we're going to take right. your cat, or whatever the, whatever, <laughs> whatever the punishment is. Right. right. What about the call to action? So, I mean, it's very funny, you know, we're, we say... All right, have a couple of colors, have uh, some tickers. Oh, there's date and time, there's weather, there's a news ticker. Have an image, maybe some motion, and you want me to throw in a call to action on top of it all. I mean, this is a real balancing act, isn't it? Or is it? I don't know. I mean, you guys are designers, so you're used to thinking like this. But if I've, I've got, you know, Jose, the secretary over here, who has to do this in addition to 55 other tasks throughout the day, which does happen quite mm-hmm. a bit, sadly, how can we help this person out? How can they know? They could start with hierarchy, um, mm. figure out what types of things are most important, you know, call outs or different things like that. I would probably utilize more bold type, larger fonts. Anything that I want to draw more attention to, I would probably maybe give that a, a different color than the rest of the message to kind of draw more attention there. So mm-hmm. there's many ways you can change the hierarchy within the message, but those are some of the points that I would utilize. Mm-hmm. And I would say the call to action, I wouldn't let that be the hill you die on. It's, it <laughs> is important because it helps to engage with your audience and get them involved, but it doesn't have to be a big fancy work of art. It can be a simple email Susie for more info or right. call this number. It can just be a little phrase uh, at the end or maybe in a little bubble somewhere on the slide. It, again, speaking of hierarchy, it doesn't have to be another equal element with mm. other pieces. It can be pretty far down on the hierarchy level. How do you- guys feel about calls to action that I know like a short URL mm-hmm. especially if it's a bespoke one if it's what's known as a vanity URL because mm-hmm. that way it, it isn't just F X Y three two no one's gonna right. remember that True. for God's sake you need to create your own mm-hmm. your own uh, using a, a shortener or about like QR codes QR codes seem to me that they would be sometimes could be quite ugly in a design, but if, if you are clever, you might be able to find a way to incorporate them very nicely into a design. You can. You do have to be careful, though, because the way QR codes work, you need to keep the contrast up high for the phone or whatever device to be able to scan it. Mm. So just bear that in mind. But that doesn't mean you can't, you know, typically you see them in black and white. That doesn't mean it couldn't be white and purple. Some other type of color scheme. So really the biggest piece if you're going to modify QRs, just remember keep the contrast high and keep the predominant color dark enough that it's going to read against the background. Probably not canary yellow and white. Yeah, yellow, (laughs) white. I'd be careful of bright oranges and pinks and things like that nice dark blues greens whatever colors and if you're on a dark background then it's reversed brighter colors on a black background or a dark blue background sounds good when we get to text obviously we've said some things about that keep it keep things as short as possible and you don't really you don't have to have grammatically correct sentences up there right you don't need to say hey everybody 
don't forget, tomorrow is the last day to register. You could just say, tomorrow, last day for registration, or last day to register. Right. Or registration, tomorrow, last day. There's right. not even a verb there. Paraphrasing is your friend when it comes to signage. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, three by five rule, which we've talked about on other podcasts. Three lines of five of text, five words each, or the opposite. Five lines, three words each. Mm-hmm. Does that still apply? That's a pretty good rule of thumb. I will say you don't have to adhere 100% exactly to that. You don't want to go more than eight words by two lines. Or it's, it's really about the shape of the text block, how ah. it ends up. Because what you're trying to do is keep the eye from fatiguing as it reads across the lines. The mm. lines get too long and your brain kind of forgets what was at the beginning of the line sure, before yeah, you yeah. move on to the next one. Yeah. Right, it only, it only stays in short-term memory, like a second and a half or something. Right. Yeah. You don't, right. definitely don't want to uh, you know, have your sentences too long on screen that goes back to the timing of the message. Also, our eyes are letterbox or left and right, not top and bottom. Mm. And you'll notice more popular or more pleasing to the eyes, 16 by 9s usually, because it's in line with the way we see naturally. Yeah, that's so true. Most movies are shot 16 by 9. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's very, very interesting. I mean, it's good to go back a little bit and talk about the uh, other aspect ratio of 9 by 16. Mm-hmm. Mm. Those are great if you're displaying content that's more vertical, you know, portrait. Mm. But uh, we get the best feedback when we're designing is letterbox or 16 by 9 aspect ratios. Really? Yep. That's the one people like. Mm-hmm. That's interesting because I know some of the social media platforms out there are back to pushing 4x4 four four squares and things like this. And I, I don't like it. What about this idea of whenever possible, like say we're going to incorporate images or whatever, use an image to replace text. So, like, instead of instead of saying, hmm. hot, delicious coffee at the cafe, have a great picture of hot coffee, which we assume is delicious, and then just say, only yeah. only a dollar today at the cafe. We know it's coffee. I mean, I don't, I don't know that I need to see a picture of coffee and then have you say the word coffee also on the same message. Right. That's, that's a really good example. And the benefit of that is your brain's going to recognize the image much quicker than it will to see the word and then process the word. And, oh, coffee. I like coffee. Because different parts of the brain are used, right? Exactly. To process words as opposed to images. Exactly. Sure. It's definitely more relatable. I recall designing a message earlier this year uh, internally for ice cream social. And it was literally just an ice cream man, you know, with his hands out and the date and the time of the event. You know, right. And that, that told the whole story. I'm sort of involved in some of my writing work uh, in battles with my editors who claim that, um, oh, it doesn't matter if it's technically grammatically correct or if, so what if I capitalize this word? Because this is a thing that's happening now, and I'm not going to say who to blame, but I know who to blame. Uh, this random capitalization of words, quote unquote. I have people tell me now, for oh, I did it for emphasis. Well, that's not how we emphasize things in English. Mm-hmm. If you want to do that, then the whole word needs to be emphasized or bolded, or a different color or something. But simply capitalizing the word hot in hot coffee, doesn't that make you look like an idiot? Or no? I mean, is this a, is this a terrible idea? Does it really matter if I don't use commas correctly? Does it matter if I misspell a word? Yes. I think it does. Yeah. Short, yes. I was just, just <laughs> going to say, I'm a bit yes. of a stickler for grammar and uh, punctuation. So yes, another, my biggest pet peeve is quotation marks for emphasis yeah yes that drives me absolutely up a wall i don't think people realize that when you're putting something in quotation marks you're saying so called or some call it this 
But as a writer, you're actually saying, I don't think it's this. Yes, it was, quote, funny, unquote, right. when Uncle Harry threw the cat in the fire. sarcastic. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, it feels sarcastic. Yeah, exactly. It's not emphasis, right? No, it's it's not emphasis. And I, I don't think, I think it's just a misguided attempt to emphasize or enhance a word. But yes, please don't capitalize words for the sake of capitalizing. Also keep in mind when you capitalize words very much as when you're writing emails and on the internet, capitalize words in a digital sign or sometimes it can come across as yelling at you. Yeah, I was just about to comment on that. It's actually harder to read capitalization quickly. So that's why it's better sometimes to use a sentence case uh, so the reader can see more of the characters and reckon your eye recognizes the characters easily. Easier, uh, with that than reading all caps. The way that we read words is the eye doesn't read each letter and then assemble the word. We're actually reading the shape of the word. Sure. Right. Yep. Which is why some words are commonly misspelled because if you do E-A or A-E in this word, it kind of has the same shape and that's why people make that mistake all the time. And as a designer, I totally understand the temptation because fully capitalized words are really easy to work with from a design perspective, typographically. Uh, they're sure. very pretty and they're very nice. <laughs> nice but they don't always serve your best interest mm, okay i prefer serifs you do, <laughs> I do. really I for do. digital Ooh. Not for digital not if i'm going to use it for digital signage mainly headings right ah. sparingly the, yeah very sparingly but for that legibility you know you see the edge of a you know glyph on a letter you know it's recognizable right but, uh, yeah for digital signage definitely want to stay with more sans serif based fonts yeah, they're just cleaner, especially yeah. from a distance. Right. Now, that being said, if your brand guidelines include a serif font, it doesn't hurt to use that. Again, like Wayne said, you can use it for, say, headers, message headers, update, company news, mm. those kind of things, sparingly, just to give a little more visual interest because serif fonts tend to have more of an established, authoritative kind of feel. And if that is your brand, say you're a bank or mm. you're a government office, that's really going to help tie that feeling and that authority back to your signage. Uh, what about using more than one font in a message? Stick with two. That's usually a good rule of thumb. Yeah, two to three. Two to three. And yeah. three, you can kind of put that in quotes because you can use... <laughs> you can use Capital N quotes. You, you can use different weights of the same font as sure. in bold or mm -hmm. light or medium or italicize. And that somewhat counts as a different font. Visually, it looks different even though it's the same font. So stick to one with some variants. Two, if you want. Mm -hmm. Don't go... Because you see something where like every sentence is a, it's five sentences or five lines and every one's a different some letters. <laughs> yeah, yeah, really. Or we will cut off a finger. Right. Uh, okay. Let's talk about some uh, specific to PowerPoint things. Okay. Uh, Slide Master. What is Slide Master? How does it work? Slide Master is uh, usually where I start in PowerPoint. Really? Mm -hmm. Yes. I always uh, start with the Slide Master. That helps me establish my headers, the body content. So if I'm going to incorporate images on a particular side of a slide, I've already pre-planned on the Slide Master how that content may look by having foresight of the Slide Master as opposed to I'm 20 slides in. I'm like, you know what? I think I want to add an image here now. 
and by you've already given given into account how much space you may want to use on your bullet points you've already established that so it won't look like an afterthought later well and i have to agree i love the slide master because you can really set up a framework that shapes the visual feel of your whole presentation. You can set up... Because it makes global changes, right? It's, 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 it's kind of, I don't want to say template because that's a different thing in PowerPoint, but in a way you can visually create a template for your PowerPoint slides. You can create two or three, four, however many actually, mm. and then use those and create dozens and dozens and dozens of slides that have the same visual style, the same feel. Mm -hmm. It'll take care of your font choices. We won't take care of them for you, but it'll apply the font choices you make to all of those slides, color choices. Mm. And you can really do a little bit of work at the beginning and save yourself so, so much work yeah, you in the long run. Yeah, you don't want to go keep formatting each slide by you taking care of the formatting on the mm -hmm. master, it leaves less for you to do. So you, it's more like guidelines mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. that you're setting in place. And then obviously too, if you, you've done a bunch, you've done your, I don't know, you've done two or three playlists using this, and then you decide to change it for whatever reason, mm -hmm. either because you've done some research with your audience and you found out, actually, you know what, it turns out we need to shift this here, we need to change this. You, may, you do the change in one place and it applies it everywhere. Right. Globally. Yes. Right. It's like style sheets yeah. for, mm -hmm. for web design. Sure. Yep. So this is this is a good thing. And where is it? I think it's in, you go to view. View. And then there's just a slide master button. That's it. Now. Yep. That's, that's it. And thing. that kind of opens up the back end of it so that you can work with your air quotes template. Another rule of thumb too, I tend to practice with slide masters. If you're going to use a background image, this is the place where you want to insert that image into the background. Unless you're adding some type of custom animation, you definitely don't want to continue placing that same image throughout your entire Right. Now I do it right. again. Yeah. Yeah. You're just making a larger <laughs> file larger file than it needs to be right. and you run the risk of accidentally moving one of them on one slide just a tiny bit and then you, during your playlist it goes boop and yeah, it moves off jump. to the side yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right. You go, did i yep do i smell toast yeah. what is that what happened <laughs> got him <laughs> all right what about smart art smart art is uh it's pretty cool I, uh, oh, we have a difference of opinion here this is great they're gonna fight if you really know how to utilize it, I think, you know, most times the novice, you know, may not have the resources to hire a graphic designer to tie in data. So sometimes SmartArt is a great tool to utilize mm -hmm. to quickly incorporate your colors and your bullet points, you know, adding a little more visual interest. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> counterpoint. <laughs> counterpoint. <laughs> I'll just say, I personally am not the biggest fan of smart art. I do think it can be a very useful tool, but I also think it's very easy to lean on it and expect it to do the work of conveying information for you. So I'm not saying don't use smart art. It really, in and of itself, it is a great tool, but go into it knowing how you want to use it. Mm. It's real fun and real tempting to go in there. Oh, look, this is really cool. I could put that on. That looks awesome. You know, check out this one. That's awesome. And yeah, they're fun, but when you t go that route it tends to start falling the way of the clip art thing where i'm putting uh, it in there just because it kind of looks cool and then right. when you do that for five or twelve or right. twenty times just because you can, just because you you can <laughs> people again back to the stock photo thing people start recognizing i've seen that one before Yawn. Bo you, boring yeah. i'm not paying attention anymore right 
Sort of the design equivalent of binge eating. It's what I call a canned effect. You just uh-huh. pop the top off and there it is. Yeah. Which, so. and again, I understand why they created stuff like exactly. this. Exactly. Because not everybody is a designer and someone is going, wow, I have half an hour to get all this stuff done. Quick, quick, quick. But as always, I think the overriding consideration is don't make it too busy. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, it's a bit like swearing. If you swear all the time, then when you actually mean it, it doesn't have any impact. Mm-hmm. But if you use it sparingly, Really, if you really want to draw attention to something, maybe same with like a small animation or something. Right, right. So you say clip art. There is a there's a big debate uh, about clip art. Use it, don't use it. Is it hokey? I'd stay far away from clip art. (laughs) Far, far. I'll throw the caveat. I I have a degree in illustration, so I'm not a real fan of clip art. It was like it was like early days. I mean, it became smart art, kind yeah, of sort of. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you remember when it publishing? Yes, you know, you came on CDs days. and you throw yep. CD three of five and there is C. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, five hundred clip art. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose if you really want to, you can make an argument. There's a place for it. As designers, I I just think we're going to agree to disagree on that part. Right. Because I kind of think now, if we want, oh, the little birthday cake, mm-hmm. you know, I think we can find a probably a Creative Commons license free, sure. very nice, high quality image of a birthday cake. Right. That would be just as effective, if not more effective. Because a clip art cake, I never look at that and go, man, I want some cake. Exactly. But right. I see a picture of cake, all um, I can think about is cake. I'm there. Well, again, it kind of takes away from your credibility a little bit, too, because, yeah, we are a very professional, organized company. Here's a clip art of a cake. (laughs) (laughs) With fuchsia text on an orange background. In Comic Sans. (laughs) Oh! (laughs) You know, uh, not that long ago, uh, the creator of Comic Sans, somebody interviewed him. And he said, Poor he guy. said, when he talked to the lovers and the haters, he said, if uh, if you hate Comic Sans, you need a new hobby. True. And if you love Comic Sans, find a different font. I, I'll just go on record and say it's not his fault. <laughs> yes, it's not his fault. <laughs> it's just been overused, that's all. One of the things you'll find a lot, I know any presentation I've had to suffer through that with PowerPoint is you get people who kind of like with the smart art, they start going crazy with those animations and transitions. And you're like, wow, I've seen so many transitions in this 10-minute presentation. I, I don't really know what to do. Oh, Why, we all know it's a bad idea. Why is it a bad idea? Uh, usually it's a bad idea because you don't want the user to, again, get confused with what's going on. Mm. Uh, you want to deliver a clean, concise message. If the message is more energetic and youthful for a younger audience, some more playful animations may be acceptable. But if it's in a corporate environment or an environment where the usual uh, flow of viewers, uh, you don't want something that's too crazy or off the wall. Or that takes too long. I mean, some of the yeah. transitions are not fast. What is that visual effect really doing for the message? Mm. Always ask that question if you're going to use it. Because sometimes it'll be something where it flashes or dips to black, and you're like, "What? What, what did I just? What yeah. did I just look at?" So. Did, did the power go out? Right. So, yeah, make sure that visual transition has some weight to it, I guess. Mm-hmm. My thought is a good animation is one you don't notice. Ah, that's true. Instead, you notice the thing that it's drawing attention to. Right, mm-hmm. right. You can get away with a certain level of movement and animation that just kind of floats on the subconscious level and really ties things together nicely without actually coming to the conscious part of the brain and saying, oh, that just transitioned. Mm-hmm. Very simple, you know, left to right movement. 
movement fade into your next slides. A lot of these like bounce around and turn into checkerboards and yeah. then yeah. spin around four times. It just distracts and then even the even the flippy like it's on a card and it flips around like Jesus yeah. that can be nauseating. Yeah, that's a lot of them. And yeah, you may have someone with vertigo that just kind of falls out in the, <laughs> <laughs> in the lobby. Yeah. The good news is they certainly noticed our digital signage. Yeah. The right. bad news is they're in the infirmary. Did yeah. they notice anything on the signage? Right. Yeah. Right. 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 Yeah. yeah. I mean, I I read something that said uh, very often for digital signage it's good to use appear mm-hmm. at the top disappear at the end and then just fade between messages like that's that usually something like that's enough exactly just nice subtle transitions right and i find i will say sometimes you even get like these wipes like these diagonal wipes that go across i find them almost aggressive yeah. it's almost like because i'm looking at it my eye is settled on to the image mm-hmm. I mean, again, we're talking about five ten seconds here but and then suddenly something comes along and just kind of slaps you that's enough yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. You don't yeah. get to see that anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Any other advice for people who would use PowerPoint to design their digital signage messages? Just, again, keep it clean and concise. You don't want 20 bullet points showing on digital signage. I think we uh, talked about that earlier on. Yeah. yeah, I would just say bear in mind it's a presentation without a presenter. And mm. test, test, test with as many people as you have time to test with. And I would, I would also say adjust. True. I think very often people get because whatever because they're busy. They're you know how many companies, especially a smaller company of a hundred or, or right. fewer people, have a person on staff. This is what they do: is they just do the digital signage all the time. They probably have other duties and things right. to do, so they're trying to get it off their mm-hmm. out of their inbox into their outbox as quickly as possible. But you got to keep adjusting, testing, yeah. checking. Use that slide master to make those global changes and, and make sure that it's a constantly improving communication yeah. system. Yeah, and don't. Don't be afraid to look for inspiration. Google Slides. Uh, there's other various resources you can look at online. You know, find out what's popular. I hate to be cliche, but um, a lot of folks, you know, they always cater towards Apple to see, you know, as forefront leaders of presentations. Because they're the, good. Yeah, yeah, there's, they're a good. Reason, <laughs> there's a reason for that. So, you know, see what the heavy hitters are doing and mm. try to incorporate some of those techniques into your presentation. All right. I'd like to thank Dwayne and Melissa for coming today. Thank you, folks. Thanks for having us. And uh, thank all of you for listening. Hey, want more free stuff? Then head to the resources section of physics.com for free masterclass guides, blogs, videos, and more to help you with your digital signs. Please share, subscribe, and leave a review of this episode and connect with us on social media.